Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update, I'm Eddie Garrison. Let's start this one off by highlighting the Major League Baseball scores that have gone final or continuing right now. The Cincinnati Reds and the Miami Marlins. This one went final earlier in the night. The Cincinnati Reds pick up their 16th win of the season over the Miami Marlins, seven to four, on the back of Drake uh, on the bat, I should say, of Jake Fraley, two for four today, two home runs, four RBIs. Tyler Stevenson also with the home run in a multi-hit game for Cincinnati. Spencer Steer also drove in the other two runs. For the Reds, Graham Ashcraft, he went five and two-thirds, did not pick up the win. It was Ian Gabo picking up his first win of the season, and Alexis Diaz knocking it down in the ninth inning, picking up his seventh save on the campaign. Only the fourth win away from Great American Ballpark for the Reds so far. The Pittsburgh Pirates, they continue to struggle. They're now 21-18 and as they fall to the Baltimore Orioles 6-3 to today. They did jump ahead first. They scored in the top of the third, but it was all Orioles as they score one in the sixth, two in the seventh, and three in the eighth. Cardinals score late, not the Cardinals, but the Pirates score two late in the game, but it does not matter as they fall 6-3. to Speaking of the Cardinals, they pick up a win on the road in Boston, 8-6. Final score, two teams that put out an offensive slugfest today. Paul Goldschmidt, 3-for-5. Nolan Arenado was 4-for-5, including a two-run home run. Wilson Contreras delivered a home run as well. Nolan Gorman came off the bench and delivered a pinch-hit two-run homer in the top of the ninth inning that gave the Cardinals an 8-6 to lead after Lars Newtbar tied it at 6 with an RBI single. Ryan Helsley picked up the win after pitching the final two innings of this game. He struck out four of the six batters that he faced. The Cardinals are now 13-25, and and the Red Sox are 22-16. and From Cleveland, the Los Angeles Angels, they come from behind, score two in the top of the ninth to defeat the Guardians 5-4. Emmanuel Classe picks up his third loss of the season, only one win, but he is top five in Major League Baseball in saves. Jose Ramirez was one source of offense today for the Guardians. He was two for three, had an RBI. Ahmad Rosario led the team in hits with three, along with Andres Jimenez, but they were unable to knock it down in the ninth with Emmanuel Classe. 5-4 final score. Cleveland Guardians are now 17-21. and 21. The Chicago Cubs, they put up five runs in the last three innings to come from behind to defeat the Minnesota Twins 6-2. to two. They're now 18-19, and 19, a game away from evening their record back up. At 500, Drew Smiley picked up the win after going six innings, giving up two runs while striking at four. Only 75 pitches, but lowering that ERA down to 3.05 on the season right now. Christopher Morrell, he called up earlier this week. He got a home run today in a multi-hit game. Ian Happ also with three hits. Patrick Wisdom today with two as well. Griffin Jacks charged with the loss for the Twins or 17 or 21 and 17. Cubs are now 18 and 29. In the bottom of the third right now from Chicago, White Sox leading the Astros 
one to nothing. The White Sox have struggled this season now 13 and 26. The Astros only one game over 500 at 19 and 18. It was Luis Robert getting the White Sox on the scoreboard. He hit a 428 foot homer in the bottom of the second inning. Earlier this afternoon, the Seattle Mariners picked up a 9 2 win over the Detroit Tigers. A fantastic day at the dish from Julio Rodriguez. Three for five. He scored twice, including a home run and drove in four for Seattle, who's now 19 and 19. Detroit falls to 17 and 20. NBA playoffs right now. Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers, after falling behind big in the first quarter. The Lakers lead is down to single figures as the Warriors are down six, 39-33. After one, it was 31-26. Anthony Davis is a point away from a double-double. He had 10 rebounds in the opening quarter. LeBron James leads the Lakers in scoring with 10 and pacing the Warriors in scoring with a dozen is Stephen Curry. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Final hour of this evening's Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. My name is Greg Rakestraw, in for Bob Lovell tonight. Jimmy Cook will have the honors tomorrow night. Bob is back next Friday. The South Bend Cubs were in action this evening. They played the entire state of Wisconsin. There are other teams that are located in Wisconsin, kind of like the Brewers or Beloit. Um, very successful college teams, but there is one that goes by the name of Wisconsin. Well, it took an entire state to beat the South Bend Cubs this evening. Wisconsin wins at 10-6. to The man that had the call, the radio voice of the South Bend Cubs, and a frequent contributor on this here program is Brendan King, and he joins us now. Uh, BK, remind me exactly where in Wisconsin is Wisconsin located? Coach, we are in good old Appleton, Wisconsin, so about 30 minutes west of Green Bay. And as you said, uh, this is an all-Wisconsin trip for us. It's our longest trip of the year, 12 games, first six here in Appleton, and then we're going down to Beloit for the next six. So it's uh, it's a big grind, 12 games on the road, and uh, we are getting the full Wisconsin experience, that's for sure. Cheese curds aplenty, uh, if that is the case, as the full Wisconsin experience. I mean, heck, that you pass the cheese castle uh, on the way to the on the way to the stadium uh, on yep. Tuesday afternoon. Ten six. Tell me about tonight's game. Rick, really interesting game. Nine of the ten runs for Wisconsin came in one inning in the bottom of the fourth, and both starters had solid starts to the game. Richard Gallardo got the start for South Bend, Rake. Uh, he had three wins in his last four starts coming into this one. First two innings were scoreless for him, and then he was opposed by Alexander Corniel, good-looking right-hander in the Brewers' system. Corniel retired the first 11 he faced in the game before South Bend got their first hit. And then, as mentioned, the bottom of the fourth really is when the wheels fell off. Nine runs for Wisconsin, including two bombs. Uh, you may see in the box score, Cubs made six errors tonight. That's a season-high uh, like I said, that fourth inning really got away. But tell you what, Rick, Cubs mounted a comeback in that top of the fifth. Five runs for South Bend, including a grand slam for Christian Franklin, fourth-round pick of the Cubs out of the University of Arkansas. It was his first bomb with South Bend. And look, Rick, if you're going to try and mount a 10-run comeback, hitting a slam in the next frame is a good way to start it. But I will credit the Wisconsin bullpen. They locked things down late. And that was the difference in the game for sure. Listen, I call high school baseball and softball, and I have not seen six errors in a game this year. Um, if I were the South Bend Cubs manager, I would probably throw everybody in the shower, throw baseball bats at them, and then call them lollygaggers. Uh, it's probably the way that I would go about it if a team were to commit six errors in one single game. Uh, despite the defensive lapses of this evening, uh, this has been my question du jour when talking to your compatriots in Fort Wayne and in Indianapolis tonight. 
uh, from a prospect standpoint of the Cubs. Who are the names you know about about this single A squad? Well, I was going to say first thing. We, yeah, we're going to need some like Pedro Serrano major league voodoo to get out of these defensive lapses. For one, uh, to answer your question. Kevin Alcantara is the big name, Rake. Alcantara was the kid that came back for Anthony Rizzo from the Yankees. He's a big six foot six center fielder, only twenty years old, still growing into his body. Kind of looks like a shoestring type player now, but you know, once he puts on some muscle, uh, the guy's going to be absolutely massive. From a pitching side, Brandon Birdsell, fifth round pick by the Cubs out of Texas Tech uh, last year. He's got a .44 earned run average, that's lowest in the Midwest League. Started back on Tuesday, was very good in four innings, gave up a run. He'll be back on the bump starting next week in Beloit. So, bird sell, really good right arm, solid changeup. And then, Rake, I'll tell you what, Alcantara, he can be the full package if he develops. Um, he's got some power, he hits for contact while he plays a really nice center field, too. South Bend Cubs, again, play all of Wisconsin, just the team located in Appleton. <laughs> Tomorrow afternoon at 2.10, a pair of matinees, and then they'll make the short trip to the far southern reaches of the state. So close to Rockford, you can see it from there. Beloit, the opponent, for six games next week, beginning on Tuesday night. BK, I know you'll call on the show tomorrow night as well. Thanks for spending part of your Friday night with us here on Indiana Sports Talk. You got it, Rick. I'll see you at the Speedway later on next week. Can't yes, wait. sir. Brendan King, the voice of the South Bend Cubs, but occasionally... He'll take sojourns from the team to come hang with us on the fan. Next week is one of them. So while his colleagues with the Cubs explore far southern Wisconsin in Beloit, he'll be hanging with us at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But anyway, tonight he is in Appleton, Wisconsin. Tonight the South Bend Cubs lose by a score of 10-6. to uh, Brendan is an alumnus of Butler University. Butler's had a football team, well, forever. Their all-time winningest coach may still be Tony Hinkle, by the way. Uh, It has been a while since they have produced an NFL player. But there is a member of the 90-man Indianapolis Colts roster that this fall played football at Butler University. His name is Tyler Adams. His story is too great to tell it in 10 minutes. But I'll do my best to do that when we come back from this quick timeout. Tyler Adams, formerly the Butler Bulldogs, now the Indianapolis Colts. He will join us next as you are listening to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. I'm Eddie Garrison, qualifying today from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the GMR Grand Prix. Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, second-year driver, and Christian Lungard captures his first P1, and here's what he had to say on the NBC or Peacock broadcast when he got out of the car. This 45 Hy-Vee Honda has just been fast all day. Um, I mean, I was hoping for this, but honestly, I wasn't quite expecting it, so it's awesome to be here now. It's actually something I started saying before Barber, so I've kept on going. Every time I've been in the car, I've told the team it's a great day to be in, in America. Every, every time we come here to the IMS, at least this way, uh, we, we've been quick. Um, so coming into this year, I was, I was confident. Um, the last time I drove on this track, I finished second. I was second in both practice sessions this morning, so I wanted to up at one, and I did. He had to outduel Felix Rosenquist. So here are the top two speeds. Christian Lungard, 126.643. Felix Rosenquist, 126.638. 
That's five one-hundredths of a mile-per-hour difference between first and second. Alex Pillow third, Jack Harvey fourth, Pato Award fifth. The five-time winner of the GMR Grand Prix in Will Pallert will start at his car number position. That is number 12, and last year's winner, Colton Hurdout, will start 14th. When you look at the standings right now, Marcus Erickson is first, Pato Award second, and Alex Pillow is third with the month of May coming very shortly. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Welcome back on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. The Indianapolis Colts news this week was about the schedule being released. But at the end of the weekend last week, there was kind of a blurb about, hey, we signed these four players as undrafted free agents after inviting them to our rookie minicamp. One of them happened to play at Butler University last year after spending five years at Harvard his name, his name is Tyler Adams. He's overcome two ACL surgeries to get a chance to make his NFL dream come true. Here's Tyler talking about the process after his one semester at Butler as to how he is making it in the National Football League. Got an opportunity to do a pro day at Harvard, and the Colts actually weren't there. Um, and I knew I'd be going to their local day, so was kind of disappointed by that just because I, I wanted to show them what I could do, but I knew I had an opportunity coming up. So ended up at the Colts Pro Day, and I had a great conversation with, with Coach Wayne and some of the scouting staff there, and then uh, got the rookie minicamp invite draft weekend and just went and tried to make the most of it and be a Swiss Army knife and be a sponge and absorb, absorb everything I could um, coming out of that experience. And then thankfully got – and offered to sign a contract on day three. So it's been uh, a lot of ups and downs and curves to get to the point where I'm at. But, uh, you know, it's been a blessing. I'm, I'm thankful to have the opportunity, and I'm excited to keep working. At what point during the course of your, you know, semester, basically, at Butler, did you think, I, you know what, I, I think if I want to pursue this, I can play past college? Yeah, I think – you know, that's a big question for every college athlete because I think there's a lot – majority of college athletes want to do it, but I think there's this lingering question, you know, am I at that point or not? And especially for me coming off of injuries, I thought when I was healthy there was no question, but coming out of the injuries, uh, I knew I needed to feel close to 100% at the end of the season. And I'd say probably – week seven or eight I, I started to feel more normal again and like my normal self before surgery and uh felt like there was a, a pretty good chance that I could at least grab attention with my times I, I knew I'd test pretty well so I think that's when I started to figure out that athletically I was there and then I think just going through the process and kind of seeing what other guys were putting out there as far as film and testing numbers and everything it, it became pretty clear um before and after the pro day that I was kind of right where I needed to be and that I'd at least have an opportunity. And then once I get into camp, it was up to me. When you, when, and again, you go to the rookie mini camp uh, last weekend, hoping to be able to make the 90 man roster. Like what was your first impressions of, because obviously you're not, you're not hitting guys and, and things like that in that scenario are going to be hit in, in your case. So yep. what were you trying to do to make sure that you caught their attention and said, Hey, I deserve to have a spot on this team going into training camp. Yeah, I think it was twofold. The first thing for me was knowing that everybody's athletic at that level and there's not going to be a ton of disparity there. I think it was being as fluent as I possibly could in the playbook and um, 
you know, it's not going to be a perfect weekend. Obviously, there's a lot to absorb, but just showing that I was coachable and I was able to pick up on the playbook quickly and that I wouldn't be falling behind during camp was one. And then two was just trying to do everything I possibly could on the field, whether it be special teams, on offense, um, wherever they needed me, just trying to show that I have that diversity as a football player and they can kind of plug and play me wherever they need. And uh, I think the combination of those two things kind of kind of speak for themselves. And, um, you know, like I said, everybody's talented and athletic, but I think it's what can you do with that athleticism as far as can you learn the playbook and apply it, and then can you do what they ask of you outside of what you specialize in. So those are my two main focuses. Obviously, you know, you're going to be trying to catch the ball whomever is throwing it to you. But from the outside looking in, everybody would like to say, how's Anthony Richardson looking so far? (laughs) Yeah, uh, it was great to work with him. I mean, you know, obviously you see the highlight tape and the combine and it all speaks for itself. But definitely being in person firsthand, being able to catch some footballs from him and toss around and talk to him a little bit. Uh, He's got a great mentality and a great work ethic. And he's obviously very, very talented back in the pocket. So uh, it's, it's definitely impressive catching footballs from him. And, and I'm confident that when he gets plugged in there, he's going to be ready to go. So it was an awesome experience. All right. So you go through that camp. You earn yourself a spot on the 90-man roster. Walk us through now what life is like for you. I know the team activities go through mini camp on June 15th. But now what is life like for you with the Colts, say, for the next five or six weeks before you get that brief summer break before training camp starts in Westfield? Yeah, so I'm. Uh, we just got done with minicamp Sunday, so, and I was hanging around Indianapolis for a couple of days just to get all the logistics done and then um, took a quick trip home. My, my hometown's only about four hours away, so I wanted to see the family before I got busy. And then we're back in the facility uh, on Monday and – it's really, again, just diving into that playbook and being as prepared as possible for OTAs so that you're not a step behind and uh, plugging in all the, uh, all the details into OTAs and get as prepared as possible for camp. So it, it's an exciting next five or six weeks to kind of see that team come together with the veterans and the rookies back in the building and get to learn from those guys. So I'm looking forward to it. Rookie minicamp, everybody had this, including the aforementioned Anthony Richardson. But everybody had a strap of tape on their helmet with your last name, so guys knew each other were. Once you make the 90, does that does that strap come off the helmet now? People start to know who you are? <laughs> I, I guess we'll find out. I know I know about as much as you do in that aspect. <laughs> it's my first time, but we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I realize your goal is to not use that Harvard education or the Butler education that you got for the brief time you were here, so to speak, for a while. But whenever football ends, whether it's after training camp or whether it's a decade from now, what was the degree in Harvard in for you? Yeah, I was economics in Harvard and then started a general MBA at Butler. So I, I intend to finish that MBA eventually, but definitely want to get settled with uh with the new job before I go back and do that. As it pertains to, to again, just, you know, our local listening audience here in the state of Indiana, you know, Butler has had now a non-scholarship football program for 30 years. I want to say the last guy that, that legitimately spent time on an NFL roster from Butler would have been Arnold Mickens, like right as Butler made the transition from Division Two to, at the time, 1AA non-scholarship in the mid-'90s. What did that yeah. specific experience at Butler do to you do for you to prepare you for this opportunity? Yeah, I think. Well, the first thing was it being a smaller school, which I'm familiar with, because Harvard's a similar size. But 
um, I think there's a lot more personal relationship there with the coaches. And I was able to get in there right away and dive into the playbook and prepare the way I needed to prepare so that I was comfortable going into camp. And then I think just in general, um, being a smaller school guy, and I'm sure other guys would tell you the same thing, that you really got to scrap and claw for your opportunities. So uh, it prepares you for the adversity that you're going to face and and prepares you to be uh, thankful for every day that you get in the league and never take it for granted. So, you know, it's definitely taught me to appreciate the game more and, and it teaches you to play because you love the game and not just because, you know, the extremities and your school's getting paid for or NIL or whatnot. So um, just having the right mentality every day and, and attention to detail, it, it prepares you for the next level well. All right, so final thing. Uh, the news pops on Sunday. You've made the 90-man roster. How many messages did you have on your phone when you got done with workouts that day? <laughs> yeah, it was it was overwhelming, but it, it was pretty surprising how quick the, the word got out. Uh, I think I was on my way home, actually, from signing a contract, and I was already getting text messages and phone calls. So it is crazy how quick that word gets out, but definitely thankful for everybody that reached out and uh, to know that there's a lot of support. I'm, I'm from a very small town in Ohio, so uh, there's a lot of buzz going on around, around here, and um, it's, it's great to know that I have that support behind me and people are paying attention and just knowing that I kind of have that on my back going into camp. Tyler, being the first Butler Bulldog to have a chance in the National Football League in 27 years gets somebody's attention. The story that you have in terms of transitioning from Harvard to Butler and going through a couple of knee injuries makes it all the more intriguing. I look forward to meeting you in person at Colts practice at some point in time these next few weeks, and uh, and best of luck. We'll catch up again as we get closer to training camp. Absolutely. Appreciate it, and uh, appreciate you reaching out to hear my story and put it out there. I'm sure the Colts will tell that story a lot more over the course of the next few weeks as uh, minicamp and OTAs continue really between now and June 15th and then preseason uh, training camp will begin the week of July 24th. Back with more in a moment. I'll go from football to football. Yes, that means that I'm going to talk soccer. Stunning, I know. On Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update, I'm Eddie Garrison. It's halftime out in L.A., and the Lakers have a 10-point lead at intermission, 56-46. Golden State has struggled to shoot the basketball tonight, just 33% from the field, 22% from distance. Meanwhile, the Lakers are 6 of 11 from downtown. The good news for Golden State, they are plus 7 on the glass. That's because Kavon Looney has provided a lot of that with 11. LeBron James leads all scorers with 15. Steph Curry with 12. Him and Clay Thompson have combined to go 6 for 23 in this one. Clay with 8. Off the bench, providing a spark, Dante DiVincenzo for Gold State. He's got 10 points. At the horn at halftime to go into the locker room, Austin Reeves got a rebound following an Anthony Davis block, and he chucked it 54 uh, feet. And he made it as the horn sounded. They had to go to review to make sure it counted. It did. Lakers 56, Golden State Warriors 46 at halftime. NHL playoffs in the Eastern Conference. 3-2 final score and overtime for the Florida Panthers. They'll move on and they will await as the rest of the NHL concludes the second round. Right now, the Edmonton Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights. 2-1 to one is the score, and that was after the first period. We're a little bit halfway into period number two. Neither team has scored. Edmonton with the lead, 2-1. to one. They're out in Vegas. The series is tied at two games apiece. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison.
If you know me, Greg Rakestraw in for Bob Lovell on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. One of my passions is soccer. I get to be the voice of the Indy 11 on both the men's and women's side. And yes, there's a women's team. In their second year, they went 10-0-2 in their first season last year. That means no losses. They won their season opening match 8-0 on Wednesday in suburban St. Louis against St. Charles FC. Sam Dewey, and we'll tell her story in the course of these next nine or ten minutes, phenomenal high school player at Triton Central, played at Xavier, played professionally in Europe, but on Wednesday night, the coolest part of her debut with the Indy 11 was playing with her younger sister, Rachel. So good to be out there with her again. Uh, The last time that we did it was in 2019 uh, when we played together at Xavier University for my fifth and final year there lucky enough to win a couple of championships there as well so uh great to be back out there with her uh it's one of my favorite things in the world getting to play alongside her so well we saw rachel play last year what were you doing last year where we you couldn't have played for us last year too yeah so i actually was over in europe uh playing and i actually did come home for the summer but unfortunately i came home to have a knee surgery ah. so uh, i wasn't able to get out there for the first year, but happy to be a part of the second one for sure. All right, so for those who don't know, Samantha is four years removed from her playing days at Xavier, and as you just mentioned playing over in Europe. So from Cincinnati until now, where all has kind of the soccer odyssey taken you these last three or four years? Yeah, it's been a journey for sure. I mean, a couple of tough times too. I mean, it happened kind of in the middle of COVID, but sure. my first stint was uh, in Sevilla, Spain. I played for Real Betis. Um, right after my uh, 2019 ended at Xavier, so 2020, played a couple of months over there. Unfortunately, COVID hit, um, but I did get to play in a few matches over there. Unreal, unreal environment, you know, getting to play some of the biggest clubs in the world, so that was really cool. But ended up coming back um, during that whole COVID fiasco, um, had a quick little rest period, and then actually ended up getting a, another contract in the Netherlands where I played for SC Heravane in the northern part of the Netherlands. So that was the last place that I played. Spent about a year and a half there. And like I said, cut a little bit short with a, a nasty knee injury. But um, luckily all sewn up and uh, back together again here in Indy. So. All right, so with that, obviously for the players that are still in college, this is how you keep your game easy, game fit, and, and, and get better for your college season. If you've just graduated mm-hmm. college, it's, hey, this is the bridge to hopefully land you a professional contract. For you, is this just kind of scratching the competitive itch, or are you hoping to head back overseas as soon as possible? Yeah, I, I think uh, that's a matter of how my knee feels. You know, I, I, I do love to compete, and uh, I think that it was it's kind of a test run, you know. Uh, I Like I said to, to Pauly, the coach, you know, I, I could play one game and be like, oh, no, like this is not <laughs> happening for me. I can't even play another one. And maybe it's by the end of the summer. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to get that itch again to play. I would love, 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 love nothing more than to get back into the competitive uh, area of professional soccer and, and see where it can take me. But, you know, we'll see how my body feels and uh, 
am a bit of, of the grandma on the team. So uh, we'll see, we'll see how I hold up. Uh, Maddie and Molly are out there. You're fine. You, you got nothing to worry about yeah. as long as those two are out. I can say because I know Molly Kermoto for for many years, and I'll talk about her hopefully at some point in time uh, in, in a yeah. matchup down the road. Um, but again, referencing Maddie Williams, she has a full time job and is doing this kind of yeah. on the side. You have a full time yeah. job too, but it is in soccer. You work at Sogility, a great partner of ours with the Indy Eleven. Tell us about what you're doing with Sogility. Yeah, so I'm actually uh, the athlete development director there. So I'm a little bit on the uh, on the soccer side, but not so much. I'm I'm doing the the extra bit of uh, training for you know speed, agility, strength, and, and that sort of thing. So on the other side of the game, that uh, isn't actually soccer itself. So the stuff that helps prepare you. Uh, to get out there and play. So that's that's my role here. I love it. I love getting to see all the kids and stuff like that and uh, and get to work with them. So that's what I'm doing during the day and then jetting off to practice. <laughs> Could you see yourself doing this for the next several years? If for whatever reason, hey, that, that next professional offer doesn't happen, is, is this a pretty good plan B for you? It is, yeah. I really enjoy it. I've known uh, Jimmy, the owner, since I was probably 13. I played for him, and uh, obviously Polly works here too, so – I know a lot of the people have good relationships here. And like I said, I really enjoy the clientele and, you know, just helping people get better on this side of it. And then also seeing them jump over and and do some of the machines and stuff that they do for the soccer side. So really, really cool gig, really cool business and a really, really great idea. Sam, like most top young soccer players, played a high level of club soccer, played for the Indiana Fire Juniors when she was in high school. But she'd like to stay at home in terms of playing high school soccer and played at Triton Central. And these numbers are staggering. She had 83 goals in one year, and I believe you had 250 or more for your high school career. Is that correct? Is that number accurate? It's something along those lines, yeah. That's stupid, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. Um, why, why was playing with, with the girls you grew up with, and so many players won't play high school soccer, seem at the top level, or just play academy soccer. Why was playing high school soccer so important to you? Yeah, I think being from a small town and stuff like that, and, and uh, just seeing how soccer has grown in America in general, and then being from this small town where it's all about – basketball and football it's indiana you know and all these other sports are so much more important and you know you have a passion you have a love for a certain sport and and they had a team but you know not too many girls were into it and then you know coming in and seeing you know the excitement of somebody who's you know played at a a high level before it just sparked the interest um, of our little community and and so it was really cool that that happened and you know so i was like you know what what the heck why not and so we just went at it and it grew and the team actually did really really well and uh ended up i think making a semi-state or two uh in, in my time there so uh it, it definitely grew um in the hearts of, of that small little town and to me that that means more than than anything and for if a case i forgot to mention it triton central high school is where is where the deweys uh, ended up playing their, their high school soccer sam dewey joining us here on soccer saturday on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan so obviously you watch rachel and the team play last year now you've had one experience playing your thoughts about the level of play the w league in general your thoughts first as a viewer and now a player what's the indy 11 experience been like for you yeah, it's been great. The practice environment is extremely competitive so far. I'm really pleased and really impressed with the, the squad that Paulie's put together. And, I mean, even last season, I, I mean, I played some of my college career with, like, Molly McLaughlin sure. and Grace Barr and some of those other players that were there last season. So, um, to see their transition and, and how competitive they've made the environment, it's just trickled down, and it, it's the same this year. And so, 
Um, I'm really impressed with what, what Paulie's put together and the level of professionalism in which they're approaching. I mean, like we got back from St. Louis, I think at two 30 in the morning, uh, you know, you get a quick rest and then we came back to Sogility and had a recovery session at noon the next day. So, I mean, it, the, the quality in which that Paulie's trying to instill into this group is second to none. So um, really impressed there. And then obviously the W league, I think is a great transition. I think they've made it more competitive. Um, exclusive is the wrong word, but I mean, you don't want just any team to be able to come and join, right? If you're sure. trying to make something really competitive. So I think they've done a good job and done a good job of promoting. it. And so I, I definitely think that it's grown. And um, I mean, I was a part of watching last year and seeing the fandom and, you know, the fan base for Indy 11 specifically. I mean, St. Louis, it was nothing like that. So I'm really excited to get back home and Indy and play uh, in front of the fans and, and see what that experience is all about because it looked insane. It uh, looked so cool. Isaac, you knew exactly where the next question was going. That was going to be my <laughs> final question for you. Uh, that I, I was a part of, 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 couple, of most of the home matches, missed just a couple. But I'm getting goosebumps thinking about what that first night was like, and they were turning people away to watch that opening yeah. match. Last year. I believe Rachel got to play in that match, if I, if I remember, yeah. remember correctly. Just mm-hmm. how much are you looking forward to Friday night, June 2nd? I am so stoked. I can't even tell you. Like, the noise, the the constant cheering, that kind of stuff just gets me going. And like you said, it kind of just, like, gives me chills. And so I'm I'm really hoping that I'm able to score again and I'm able to do it at home because there would be nothing better than being able to score in my hometown in front of all these people. This is where I'm from. This is where I grew up um, since first – I think I've been living here since I was in first grade. I was born here. So nothing would be cooler than being able to, you know, play in my hometown and uh, be lucky enough to, to score a goal or two. So that's what I'm really looking forward to, and, and I think the team is going to do great and have great success this season. So uh, looking forward to all the support. I can't tell you how cool that experience is. The Indy 11 women make their home debut on Friday, June 2nd. The men are back at home next Saturday when they play host to Colorado Springs, and I host soccer Saturday every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on our flagship station, Indy 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with more in a moment on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Sports Talk scoreboard update. I'm Eddie Garrison. In the NHL playoffs right now, the last 90 seconds have been dramatic for the Vegas Golden Knights. They were down 2-1, to one, and in 90 seconds, they're up 4-2. to two. Still four minutes left in the second period against the Edmonton Oilers with that series tied at two games apiece from Vegas. Going on right now from Chicago, it's the Houston Astros and the Chicago White Sox. And the White Sox just picked up their second hit, and that's coming from Luis Robert. He's got both of them. He had a solo home run in the bottom of the second inning. However, the White Sox trailed the Houston Astros 2-1. to one. Despite outhitting the Astros, the only hit the Astros have was Kyle Tucker. He doubled that scored Martin Maldonado in the fifth inning. Jeremy Pena hit a sacrifice fly that scored Tucker. He reached base on a walk and stole second base, advanced the third on a ground ball, and productive baseball right there by the Astros has them ahead 2-1. to one. Michael Kopak four and two-thirds. His outing is over. Walk six, struck out five hitters. The big news today on the college front of things, the Indiana Hoosiers, they land a five-star forward recruit, Mackenzie Mbako from New Jersey. Mike Woodson adds on to that recruiting class that features two other four-star guards in Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton. He's also landed a handful of players from the transfer portal. Former Ball State Cardinals center Peyton Sparks, he's one of them. Miami Hurricane forward Anthony Walker and former Oregon center Kalel Ware, he was a top-ten recruit 
in the 2022 class. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Winding it down on this edition of Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Eddie Garrison gets to go home 50 minutes early. It's kind of the way it works when you're the scoreboard guy. Great job, Eddie. Nathaniel Finch and I will hold down the fort now for the remainder of the show. Um, it would not be this program if we didn't talk some high school basketball at some point in time on the show, right? But we spent 30 minutes in the 10 o'clock hour. We talked about the Indiana Pacers draft lottery status, talked about the G League team moving from Fort Wayne to Noblesville, and then talked about Mackenzie Mbako heading to Indiana University. But high school basketball and high school football is so much of what this show is for, say, six, seven, eight months of the year. Well, it's funny. I was just kind of flipping through and scrolling through Facebook and, and things like that, as I probably do way too much of in my life. And I started thinking, I need to write these things down because they're all things I think that are pertinent to mention on the program tonight. So first of all, uh, it had kind of been somewhat of an open secret um, during the year that this was going to be Al Rhodes last year as the head coach at Penn. Uh, Again, state champion, his days at Warsaw. We leave the win total just shy of 741 years, I want to say, in terms of coaching Indiana high school basketball. Uh, but when they were defeated in the semi-state round uh, by Kokomo, that was the end of Al's run at Penn. And Penn is, I want to say he spent his last 20-ish years at Penn High School. Well, the person's going to make a move to try to replace him at Penn. One that has a pretty good resume of his own, Barrett Kuhlman, whose last stop was at Valparaiso, uh, is going to make the jump to Penn. That became public news today. Uh, big fan of Coach Kuhlman. I know him through a guy that... Knows him very well, and obviously knows Penn very well because he's a former Penn head coach and Pete Smith. Pete and I had kind of a, a lengthy text conversation about the situation earlier today. But uh, congratulations to Coach Coleman making the move to replace a legend in Al Rhodes at Penn High School. Uh, it's been a busy week in terms of coaching news at the other end of the state in the Hoosier Hills Conference. First of all, on Monday, it was announced that Fonzo White is getting the job at Floyd Central. Um, one-year head coach this past year so it didn't work out that team from floyd central went seven and 16 fonzo did not coach this year after he was the coach at fort wayne lures for a handful of years fonzo's lures team in 2020 won the summit conference regular season championship fonzo had previously spent time at clinton central had been an assistant at both westfield and park tudor and at franklin college uh, Fonzo is a, a good friend of mine, and I think he's going to do very well at Floyd Central. I want to make sure I wish him the absolute best. Today, though, I learned that Jeff Hine is resigning at Bedford North Lawrence. Jeff has been a head coach at a variety of stops. His four years at Bedford North Lawrence has been about as successful of a stretch as the Stars had on the boys' side in some time. Bedford was one of a couple of three teams that had a crack of winning their sectional at Seymour this year. It was Jennings County, and more about them in a moment, Jennings County that snapped a lengthy sectional drought this year. Well, Bedford North Lawrence has not won a boys sectional in 22 years. Part of that is obviously the advent of class basketball. Part of that is how good New Albany under Jim Shannon, uh, how how long you know how they have been good, and obviously they have you know he announced his retirement at the beginning of the season. They bring in Craig Teague, who I think will do a really good job at New Albany, makes the jump from Huntington North. But let's stop down for a second, because um, Columbus East has made a coaching move. Jeffersonville has not. Seymour is not. But literally, as I speak it out loud. 
uh, of the seven schools in the Hoosier Hills Conference, since Madison is no longer a member of that league, five of them will make coaching changes this year because the other one, Josh Land, is taking an assistant principal's job in the Jennings County School Corporation. He is stepping down from coaching. That was made known in the last couple of days. Jennings County made the semi-state for the first time, uh, I want to say, since the Rob Kent days 25 years ago. So just some coaching news and thoughts I wanted to share with you on the program because it is always high school basketball season here in the state of Indiana. We will wrap it up next. Greg Rakestraw playing the role of substitute teacher in for Bob Lovell. Jimmy Cook has you tomorrow night. We'll wrap it up next on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Welcome back for the final time this evening to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. You know, I, I did this earlier, and you know, I wasn't wearing my headset, so he couldn't properly tell me. Since it's like the last minutes of the show, I'll actually like let him crack the microphone. Nathaniel Finch is our producer this evening. Um, hello, Nathaniel. How are you? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm good. And since you answered me, but you did so off the air or you didn't admit when I was not listening, are you still enrolled at the University of Indianapolis or are you a degree holder? I walked across the stage a week ago tomorrow. Congratulations, my friend. I appreciate that. Uh, congratulations on that. So the three of us at all of this show are all UND grads. And I joked about this. Uh, I said, you know what? If I had thought about this, we'd just do 30 minutes on, on like each sport. Well, I didn't do 30 minutes, but how about three about the alma mater? The softball team plays for a regional championship tomorrow. The women's lacrosse team is the defending national champions. They won a regional game earlier today. They'll play again later this week. The men's lacrosse team is playing in the Elite Eight coming up on Sunday in Gaffney, South Carolina, down at Limestone College, a place I've actually been to uh, in the last 15 years. The baseball team lost in the conference tournament, but they will play again another day tomorrow. Probably want to make sure they get at least one or two more wins if they can, even if they don't win the conference tournament, just to ensure their spot in the national tournament, which will be next weekend the golf team the women's golf team will play for a national championship in the next week the men's tennis team has made the national semifinals with a victory uh tonight down in florida and i'm a little partial of that one because that's the sport that i played at the university of indianapolis some 25 years ago so on this show tonight, it was a great night to be a Greyhound because all three of us were and are, but on the athletic fields across the country, today was a pretty good day to be a Greyhound as well. So let me count that up in the last five or six days. Men's lacrosse, women's lacrosse, men's tennis, women's golf, softball, those schools are all those are all in the national tournament the division two level the baseball team aspiring to get there and maybe just one more win away from doing that pretty good day to be a greyhound and a good way to wrap up today's show thank you nathaniel thank you eddie garrison thank you john sherman mike moz howard kelman uh brendan king uh, Nick Yeoman, Tyler uh, Adams, as well as to Sam Dewey, all for being a part of the show. And to Bob Lovell, we missed you this weekend. 
I'm glad that things are going well for you. And Bob is back in this chair where he rightfully belongs seven days from now. Jimmy Cook will take care of you tomorrow night. I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job. Enjoy your, your Saturday sports day. Be good to your mother on Mother's Day on Sunday. And thank you for listening to Network Indiana, Indiana Sports Talk.